This episode of Cell and Gene, the podcast, is brought to you in partnership with Thermo Fisher Scientific. Thermo Fisher's cell therapy processing instruments are designed to help customers transition from process development to commercial manufacturing, utilized as standalone devices or integrated as part of a closed modular process. Thermo Fisher Scientific recommends Gibco CTS DynaSelect Magnetic Separation System, which is a next-gen cell isolation and activation instrument. Gibco CTS Xenon Electroporation System allows customers full control to optimize for a variety of cell types and payloads. And Gibco CTS Rotea Counterflow Centrifugation System is a closed cell processing system supporting a broad range of protocols for cell separation, washing, and concentration. Customers can rely on and streamline their drug development process with Applied Biosystems Qualtrac qPCR and dPCR quality control tools for robust and reliable genetic analysis across various phases of drug development, supported by relevant, compliant documentation. Hello, listeners. Welcome to this episode of Cell and Gene, the podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Harris, and my guest for this episode is President-Elect of ISCT and Entrepreneur-in-Residence at AdBio, Miguel Forte. Miguel, it's been such a while since we've chatted, and it's so nice to sit down with you, and I'm happy you're here, and I'm looking forward to our chat today. Happy to be here, Aaron. Thanks for the invitation. Absolutely. So let's jump right into it. So you're the Entrepreneur-in-Residence at AdBio, which is a VC firm based in France. So that's a really intriguing title. And I want to learn more about what the entrepreneur in residence does. So talk to us about what's your primary focus and, and how does your role ultimately impact the cell and gene therapy space? Sure. So VC firms, obviously, and we all know, they uh, conduct cash they generate, funds they generate, into innovation um, companies and products. What, uh, what they need to, to do is assess the project come to them. The first thing they do is they scan the environment, uh, so re proactively go out there and find projects or reactively get projects come to them. So they need to have people inside that have experience in the different fields particularly in this case with the emerging field of cell and gene therapy. So they came to me and said, Miguel, you've been around, you're experienced about, could you come and together with all of us, give us thoughts about what's happening in cell and gene therapy, assess the project that comes in. So that's that first element of assessment. Once you do the assessment and you say, well, that's an interesting proposition, there is an unmet medical need, there is value being generated here. There's an interesting science proposition. Uh, we need to transform this into a company, into an industrial proposition. That translation element of going from most of the cases, an academic idea into a product can be used in patients. And so they need, in addition to the scientific experience, that entrepreneurship experience, someone that has done it before, has created companies, has managed teams, has hired people that are able to operate the, the project. And so the entrepreneur in residence is kind of uh, jack at seven trades that will help. OK, we'll put this company together. We'll bring that uh, that uh, team in, in into it now. 
we don't do all the companies. We go for the companies that are relating to your area of expertise where you've been uh, uh, around. And that's precisely where the contribution to cell and gene therapy, big pharma is stepping in. VC companies are allocating a fraction of their portfolio to cell and gene therapy. So being part of a VC firm, it gives me the opportunity to scan the environment, select good opportunities, and help them flourish into successful companies by establishing them. Um, it is um, it is a new experience for me. I've been I've I've done it multiple things, academia, regulatory, I mean, uh, and and several roles uh, in, in in companies, uh, and so it gives us the opportunity of getting the you know that gold puppet and and really take it to the next uh, the next level so it's exciting and uh and i hope that what i do uh, helps uh, again the cell and gene therapy field again successful companies and the teams behind them yeah sure and i think uh knowing you for as long as i have now in the cell and gene space i think you are the perfect person to bring expertise and all of the professionalism to the role so that's really exciting um Talk to us. I want, I want to talk a little bit about market outlook. So what are you and your colleagues at AdBio, you know, what are you forecasting in 2023 in terms of, of growth in cell and gene therapy? You know, what, what, tell us there's some good news. <laughs> yeah, I think first thing to consider is, is the macro environment better, right? Because we cannot operate any sector um, without understanding what what is the macro, and and I think the um, the analysts and we're, we're speaking now. I mean, just uh, as 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 GPM is is also taking place, there is the hope, um, the belief, and and some indicators that we may get back to normal investment attitude next year, right? This year, twenty three. Um, and and if that's the case, then the risk um, uh, attitude of the investors and all the players will be kind of smooth um, and we should have a, an easier ride. I would just reserve the fact that we'll have to see it happen before we'll feel comfortable that it is indeed happening. But all the indexes there in terms of the, the deals that are happening, the attitudes, speak, the speech people are saying, and, and even some of the annual reviews uh, give that indication. So if that's the case, then I think we'll be in a better position to develop the projects. If we come to the cell and gene therapy specifically, now that we kind of just touched on the macro, inside cell and gene therapy, things are very exciting because um, the technology that enables manufacturing, that enables to bring the gene editing with the cell, professionalizing the products that we have, the cells that we have for specific therapeutic options is really booming. And, uh, and we're seeing multiple propositions there. So if we have the right attitude towards risk, the right money available and the people stepping forward, there is a lot that could happen in cell and gene therapy. The concerns that I would have uh, um, go going forward is just to make sure that the other end of the spectrum, i.e. The, the end users, the payers, the decisions, um, not only just regulatory, but also all the, all, all the way down to the prescribers and the payers uh, uh, ensuring reimbursement, 
understand that we need to talk about a different model, a model that recognizes the long-term value of the therapies that we we're bringing in uh, and needs to be paid accordingly to that. Uh, we've seen some concerns about uh, the cost of medication and the the, um, the fact that uh, they didn't reach the, reach the market. I think that needs to be put in the right perspective of the value it's bringing, because if we have the investment, if we are willing to invest, if we have the technology, we have to get them to the patients. Um, and 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 hopefully uh, we'll 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 see we'll see we'll see that happening, and we'll see some of the concerns that we had about access not materializing on the year coming forward. Okay, great. Thank you for that. That's a really uh, exactly what we were looking for. A really uh, detailed look at what is to be expected in the year in, in the coming year, and then even a little bit. Uh, shortly thereafter. Now, sponsor companies are always looking for seeking advice on how to partner properly with VCs. And so that's where I want to go next. When it comes to VC partnership, you know, what are some of the things that cell and gene therapy companies should prioritize when working with or considering working with uh, a VC company? Um, you know, sometimes they don't know what they don't know. And what would your advice be to them when engaging with a VC company? Probably the first biggest lesson, which is common to anything in life, is that you're so much into your own project that you don't see it differently, right? I mean, you, you have to understand that you're talking to someone that is a lot of the times, hearing about your message for the first time, you leave and breathe it every day, and so you 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 may assume certain types of knowledge. You may make a lot of uh, considerations that really people are. So be prepared to be very simple, very to the point, focused, uh, not to dance around too much, and and really understand that on the other side, um, they may not know, they will not know as much as you do about your project. They will know a lot about the field. They will know a lot about science, but they need to understand about your project. That's the first thing. The second thing is the, um, the stage of your project. Um, have you provided enough proof of concept? And there's multiple levels of proof of concept. Um, the first proof of concept, I would say, is a theoretical one. There's a good rationale for what you propose. The second proof of concept is, you know, lab-wise, in vitro. Um, do I have enough experiments that support the theoretical proof of concept that I have? Then the very important next one is in vivo animal data proof of concept. That's probably where the biggest inch of willing to invest or not willing to invest relies um, because good idea, good experiments seems to work, then you're gonna test it into the clinic. So you're re really ready to get the big investment that takes you in into the clinic. And then the, th the, the final element is, do, do I have a team talking to the investors. Um, do I have a team that is able to, to, to pull it off? I mean, has the right competences, um, has the knowledge, has the right network, has the right communicating capabilities, can really 
come up with uh, managing the project. If you have all of that, right, then you do have a significant project. Then the next challenge, we go back to, 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 to the beginning, is the communication. You need to have the vision, communicate it well, simply to people that need to understand, are willing to understand, and bring passion into it. Because if you believe all of it, then your passion will transpire, will mean that the team is really committed to it, and, uh, and uh, will we'll, we'll, we'll go for it. The other, the other thing that comes then is it's good to have multiple players. Um, AdBio, for instance, is really focused on, on that element of um, creating the company, identifies the science, the team, puts together, and then really creates, uh, creates the company. Other investors are a little bit later, say the company needs to be created, then we step in, the risk is, is, is lower. Then obviously you need to have uh, an investor's that carries with you at the different steps or a group of investors that really focus on, on the different steps that you, you, ta you, take, you take the company. And this is important because different investors at different stage require fine tuning of all those elements that I mentioned and being put in the message adapted to that audience. Sure. It makes a lot of sense. And uh, I think especially what, uh, really resonates is your emphasis on communication. A lot of what we're hearing, not only from partnering with a venture capital firm, but just in general, the theme of 2023 seems to be whether it's working with the FDA, uh, you know, communicate, 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 communicate clearly, communicate early, communicate often, and, uh, you know, sort of also be willing to be open to feedback. Um, because I think a lot of what you're saying too is that, you know, the sponsor company, they're so close to it that sometimes they don't, they're not seeing the forest for the trees and then they need to invite uh, feedback from, and in this case, the VC firm. Yeah. You know, communication is a dialogue, even if the other side is only listening. Right. The way it listens is part of the dialogue. Makes perfect sense. Um, all right. I want to talk a little bit about ISCT. So talk to us about what's on the horizon for 2023 just kind of like the the big overview what can we expect it's interesting that we're talking about communication we're talking about uh, what makes a successful um, company startup because one of the elements of focus of ISCT is precisely talent right the people the ability to have people that can feed all these uh, projects and all this uh, activity. So ISCT, um, as, as you know, ISCT has got these three pillars, the academic pillar, the regulatory pillar, and the industry pillar. I, I, one thing that I like about ISCT is that diversity and the fact that it's able to bring together multiple players in the cell and gene, gene therapy fields. And we've identified the need to really um, educate the field, educate the players, educate the talent. It comes back to the communication. It comes back to the path of the translation and it comes back to, 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 to talent. So th that's what's going to be one of our focus uh, going, going forward. Another focus is to make sure that we have a global perspective. Um, but, but the, the, I said it before, cell and gene therapy is booming, is exploding. But the speed of activity is not necessarily the same in all parts of the world. We see quite a lot of growth of activity in the US, steady, sustainable growth. 
we see explosive unknown growth in China. Uh, we would like to understand more about what's happening there and being able to take lessons and contribute to it. But that's that's difficult. And then it's Europe, where Europe has always been a leader in cell and gene therapy, but it's falling behind. Um, we're seeing less clinical trials happening in Europe. Uh, we're seeing struggling investment in Europe, um, and and being in a in a in a in a in a VC group in Europe, I feel that very strongly to try to play this not only in my role at Adbio, but clearly also at my role at ISCT. We need to reinforce the the, um, the activity in 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 Europe. So. We need to bring the lessons from the other regions, uh, make sure that we have the right impact in, in, in Europe. Also, because, as you may know, Europe is looking into the legislation. The legislation is going to go through a revision in the near future. It's already came out with some suggestions. Uh, we'll go through a discussion process. It's a generational moment to be able to do it right, taking advantage of where we are, what we've learned, and how we see the field going forward, and making sure that the competitiveness in Europe is uh, sustained. We have fantastic academic groups, fantastic research going on. We need to make sure that the entrepreneurial element, back, back again to that word, of taking those projects into companies that release industrial products that are able to reach the patients uh, with all the steps, you know, clinical investment and all of that are sustained in Europe, bring the, the products to patients in Europe and bring the innovation to, to an industrial success in Europe. Wonderful. Okay. Thank you. Um, given your role as president elect, what are, what are your, you yourself, what are your primary areas of focus for ISCT? Yeah. So again, as I came in with a with a clear program of making sure that ISCT, in a sentence, ISCT is aligned with the stage of the field of cell engine therapy. When ISCT was created, we were talking about bone marrow transplant. You know, the initial steps of using cells as instrument as as therapeutic instruments. We've gone a long way. Uh, we brought gene into the mix. Um, we've brought multiple cell types into the mix. And above all, we're now seeing a lot of products reaching the market. So it's no longer about academic research. It's about taking that academic research into successful translated products in the market. So I, I mentioned before, ISCT has got three pillars, academia, regulatory, and industry. I want to make sure that those pillars represent adequately what's happening in the field, and namely because a lot more is about products reaching the market, the industry pillar needs to be reinforced in, uh, in, in the society. Because it's the only way to fill up the mission of ISCT, which is make sure that adequately documented, evidence-generated products reach the, the patients in, in need. We foster the development of new product and cell and gene therapy. And because today is about that use in the market, the access to patients, the industrial element of the success of those products, I want that is well represented in ISCT without minimizing or reducing the impact of the other pillars, but really having those three pillars representing how cell and gene therapy is being expressed in the society today. Okay, okay. makes a lot of sense. Um, 
ISCT 2023 in Paris is coming up in May. So what are some of the major topics that our listeners can look out for that are going to be covered at the event? Yeah. So I think the annual meeting is always a global meeting. So first and foremost, we want it to represent everything that's happening everywhere. So we want people to come from, you know, Asia, US, um, North America, so come come together and have a moment where we share our experiences. That's the that's the, the first thing. Second, being in Europe, and Europe, as I mentioned before, being at a particular intersection point, we should take opportunity to bring some of those topics in discussion and get the regulators to come, the decisions to come, um, as well as the product developers and the researchers to really come and, 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 and discuss. And then the theme is precisely the um, translational path. How do we take an academic or an institutional research into a translational path of, of preclinical and clinical development, regulatory approval, and market access? So all those steps. So, and with a background of global, understanding the needs of Europe, knowing what is the path of development for these products, really bring all the players together in a, in a, in a exciting annual meeting in an exciting place, uh, which is not far from where I live, but it's a great place to come. So uh, we're looking forward to a great representation in the, um, in the, you know, the industrial partners in the exhibitions, but very much so also in the speeches, in the, in the presentations and in, in, in a, in a um, format that uh, we have exercised in, in San Francisco last year. And we're going to implement again, which is very active discussions. There will be plenaries. There will be sessions where we'll, we'll present, but we'll have a, a lot of parallel sessions where the panel is there to catalyze the discussion with the audience, not really to catalyze amongst themselves, but really try to bring the audience in, into the discussion. Because after all, this is what we want to do, a forum of discussion reflecting what's happening, the excitement, the needs, and the opportunities about the field of cell and gene therapy. That's great. And I really love the interactive aspect of ISCT. Uh, it's probably one of the, the most helpful components of the event. Um, I know I will be uh, covering ISCT from afar, but uh, remotely, but uh, we always, our Cell and Genes audience is always uh, very receptive to everything that has, if they're either attending in person or not, you know, they, we help our audience to, uh, by covering what was discussed at the event. So we're looking forward to it too. Um, we've sort of reached the end of our, ep uh, the formal ep uh, end of our episode here. And so uh, as Cell and Gene listeners know, I like to ask my guests a question at the end of the discussion to figure out kind of who they are when they're not in the office of the lab. And so, <clears throat> excuse me. So according to your LinkedIn profile, and as we discussed kind of before we got on the, the live call here, you reside in Brussels. So for our listeners who uh, I like to say have the, the wanderlust bug or maybe, maybe just want to be interested in what, you know, what Brussels has to offer, uh, what would you say is the, you know, absolute can't miss, but not, you know, not terribly touristy because every area has the, the touristy things, um, spot in Brussels that you think every visitor should visit, should they have the opportunity to get there? Yeah. 
I'll mention I mentioned two things. One that everybody wants to go and see, which is the mannequin piss, which is the little boy pissing um, in the street. Yes. Um, uh, I, but I and and that's that's a, that's a cute, slightly provocative. Uh, thing which kind of translates. I'm I'm Belgian by adoption. I, I mean, I I'm actually Portuguese, but live 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 here. So, and I like that. You know, a little bit intriguing. Like some of the artists who, in a bit of a surrealistic approach. Um, so that's the one that everybody goes to. But then there is one that uh, not a lot of people know, which is uh, uh, in French, Fondation Folon, which is a museum just outside of. Brussels, um, where Follon, uh, 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 which has got a permanent exhibition, which has fantastic surrealistic paintings and and socially impactful messages. Um, and so I would recommend that strongly. And on side of that, they have temporary exhibitions, again, with a social impactful conscious as, as, as well. So You can go to the center and see what everybody sees. Them handicapists don't miss it. It's important. It's part of the nationality of Belgium. But then go to that where it gives you the subtlety, nice, nice of aquarel art and and painting, but with a social impact and a social message, which after all is what what we do. I mean, we like to have pleasure. We like to see good things, but we must have a social conscious of everything that is happening in the field at the same time. Oh, a hundred percent. I'm intrigued myself to visit this mu- museum, hopefully someday. I think that's such a wonderful backdrop to, you know, from art and just with, with a very important message. Um, so that's great. Thank you for that. That's really good information to, like we said, the person who is either going to be or is interested in uh, spending some time in Brussels. So thank you. That's great. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> All right, listeners, that wraps up this episode of Cell and Gene, the podcast featuring ISCT and AdBio's Miguel Forte. Miguel, this was fantastic, and I hope you'll come back to uh, talk to us again soon uh, to bring us up to speed on what's going on at AdBio and ISCT. A pleasure. Thank you. Be sure to visit us at CellandGene.com for all of the Cell and Gene therapy-related content you need to help you perform your role even better. And we'll talk to you soon.